trauma. Everyone has it. No one talks about it. It seems easier to stay silent, ignore it, or stuff it than it does to honor it, learn from it, and finally heal. Trauma is debilitating, yet so often we suffer in silence. Trauma is not meant to be battled alone, and we are no longer going to suffer in silence. Together, we are creating a safe place to speak, to share our stories, and grow our strength as we heal. Together, we are giving a voice to those who have been silenced, bringing darkness into light and letting God use our stories. Today, we find ourselves again. We relight our spark and let it light up the world. Stop SIS is a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating on issues of trauma and trafficking, as well as the amazing power of the healing journey. Welcome to stop sis. Hey, 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 you guys, welcome to stop sis, stop suffering in silence today. If you're watching on the podcast, or I mean, YouTube, you'll see that we have a guest. <laughs> and we're excited to connect with her. And I think that as you hear her story, my thought is, is you, you may hear a bit of your own because she, uh, she, she says she has, you know, been successful in several businesses. She's had nice cars. She's had gone on vacations. Um, but sometimes things are not always as they seem. She also has been in abusive relationships when she had to pretend like everything was fine. She had to hide her unhappiness because that's not what was expected and no one would believe what was really going on. So on the outside, things looked successful and she was, quote, fine. But on the inside, she was slowly dying inside and really didn't know what to do with her current or past trauma. And so uh, we are excited to connect with her today, hear a bit of her story and how she has overcome and been on her own healing journey and then how she gives back now to others who are maybe, as we say, three steps behind her. So big steps this welcome to Lori Jorgensen. Yay. Hi. Hello. It's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I know that you and Rachel connected on Instagram, and I think that's super fun. Uh, So why don't you first start by sharing a bit about your story? And um, I know you mentioned that you grew up in domestic violence and what life Mm -hmm. was like back then, and we'll go from there. Right. Well, one of my first really memories of childhood was when I was three. And I woke up to find my father abusing my mother and, and pinning her on the floor and her trying to get away. And and I jumped on his back and started beating on his back and saying, let my mommy, you know, alone. And it got it was enough to get her loose. And um, she got away and locked herself in the bathroom. And so that was when kind of the last straw for her. Um, after many years, I was the youngest of seven. Um, She had been abused for, you know, her whole marriage. And I think that was the last straw for her. And she finally left. Um, She had left several times before, but then went back. And this time she stuck to it. 
And um, so luckily, because I was so young, I did not receive the abuse that she did or my my older siblings did, but I saw it. And then, you know, through my life with him coming in and out, um, there were definitely other traumas. And I vowed that I would never be with a man that physically abused me. And so I did pretty much keep that vow, <laughs> but I gravitated to men that emotionally abused me. And um, I didn't cope with that well in the beginning. A lot of times it was, you know, toxic both ways. They would yell and do things and, and I would yell back, which would escalate it. Um, but then I quickly learned that that wasn't, you know, going to solve anything. Um, I was divorced from my first husband. I met another guy who, you know, acted like he was everything that I wanted and had all the right answers. And I jumped into that. I had, you know, just through childhood too, I have to say, you know, I, I searched for that father figure that I didn't have. You know, I, I, I needed that replacement, you know, I, I had that void. And so I guess that's probably why I liked older men as well. Did you um, recognize that they were emotionally abusive at first or no. you justified the behavior as being normal or okay because of X, Y, and Z reason? Well, my first husband, I will say yes. <laughs> we met when we were very young. I was 15. Um, we fought a lot, but to be honest with you, I had sex with them. And because of, I was raised in church and you don't sleep with people until you, you know, unless you marry them, I felt obligated to marry him. And so I remember he wasn't, he didn't show up on time <laughs> for our wedding. And the minister came in and it was like 10 minutes before we were supposed to start. And he said, you know, he's not here. And I was relieved. I was so happy because it was like, I didn't walk away. He did. So it was going to be okay. But then he showed up. <laughs> so we Isn't that fascinating though, how we can ignore those yes. things. Like our gut knows. We yes, our heart absolutely. knows. And we often, I mean, I'm sure we all have stories of when we kind of stuffed it or buried it or didn't listen to ourselves. Right. And, and I think... I've always been a fixer, I, I, you know, and I, and you think that you can fix them. You think you can give them what they're lacking and that it will be okay. And I guess that's where my head was at. You know, it'll get better. Yeah. And it didn't. It's <laughs> so, fascinating. I'm in the change profession, right? Like yeah. my job is to support change. And I yeah. would tell any teenager <laughs> that whoever they like, people don't change that much. You no. know what I mean? It's just really no. fascinating. So no. anyway, I think there's a lot of people who marry as either older teens or early twenties and think, oh, they're just in a phase. They'll grow out of it. Then they'll X, Y, Z, and then they never do. Exactly. And, and that's where I was. I mean, I was very young and, and I just thought, you know, well, if I just, you know, if, if you love them enough, then that'll fill what they're missing and they'll change. <laughs> and it didn't. So that I got divorced. And then my second husband, I will say I did not pick up on the signs because he was a full-blown narcissist and he was a very good 
con artist. He, you know, did nice things for me and all these things that I didn't have from my first husband, but I didn't realize that he was manipulating me. He was isolating me from everyone. You know, he was, he would say things like, you know, we've both been cheated on and we've both, we live in a small town. And so we really shouldn't go anywhere without each other because we don't want that doubt to creep into our lives because, you know, that's going to trigger us because we've both had bad relationships. And okay, that makes sense, right? But that led to, I couldn't go anywhere with my mom. I couldn't go anywhere with my sister, nowhere. I was very, unless he was with me, I couldn't even go to church unless he was with me. And so, but it was so gradual that you don't even see what's going on. And then of course they confuse you because (laughs) they make you feel like you're crazy. Things that would happen, um, he would say, that's not what happened. And I would actually have to go to people that were there and say, can you tell me what happened in that conversation or what happened in that situation so that I could validate to myself whether I was crazy or not, because that's what he made me feel like. And then he made me feel like I was the bad person. You know, it wasn't him. So that... Love bombing, gaslighting. Oh, absolutely. Confusion. And then you don't even know what world you're living in. Exactly. Exactly. And then when I finally did, and it's funny because I didn't even, Narcissist to me met the Greek mythology story about Narcissus who looked in the mirror and who was conceited. That's what I thought narcissism was. And then one of my friends at one point when I was, when I finally caught on that something wasn't right and I knew that I had to get out, but I knew I had to be strategic at the same time because he was very vindictive and he was very revengeful. And so I knew I had to be very careful how I left. And um, she said to me, he's a narcissist. And I'm like, well, yeah, he's conceited, but you know, (laughs) and she's like, no, 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 no. Look up narcissism. And I went home and I studied it and I about fell off my chair. Mm -hmm. It was everything that my life was. I was just like, oh my gosh. And it was awful, but it was amazing at the same time because I was validated. I was validated that I wasn't crazy. Mm -hmm. And um, so then I finally got away from him. And that's when things changed because I knew I, I had kind of strayed from church just because everything was horrible and I wasn't allowed to, you know, really do anything without him. And I kind of, you know, didn't really dive into the word anymore. And after I left him, um, I did. I'm like, I have to heal myself. I have to know who I am. I have to know, you know, that I am worthy and that I don't need another person to validate me. And so that's when my healing journey really started. And I, that was probably some of the happiest years of my life. It was my two oldest children and myself, and I could just take the time and, and heal. And so then, you know, I had mentored other women and this is another ironic thing. (laughs) I was mentoring other women because we had owned a karate dojo. And so we had a lot of women that came in that were abused. We had kids that came in that were bullied. Um, And like you said, they put on a facade, you know, everything looked like we had it all. 
we had, you know, cars, nice homes, vacations, two, well, three thriving businesses. Um, you know, everything looked great. And he was teaching people, no one has the right to touch you. No one has the right to abuse you. And I'm sitting there cringing as the other teacher. And it got to where I couldn't teach when he taught because I just wanted to scream. I wanted to scream that that's oh, you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, so I, um, I didn't teach at the same time with them, but I had mentored many other women, but they had no idea that that's what was going on in my home. So then I felt like a liar. <laughs> you know, I felt like uh, I was, you know, living this fantasy for other people. But, and I did learn a lot, I have to say, and and that's probably a lot of that is what made me wake up to what was going on in my own world, because they were coming and telling me similar things. And then I was like, okay, (laughs) this is not right. And I'm not crazy. But then after I left him, like I said, I, I dove in and I found my own identity. And then that led me to get certified as a coach and to help other women to find that too. And to find that, you know, you don't need anyone. You are validated. Your identity is in Christ and you are a daughter of the King and you are worthy and you need nothing. You need to do nothing, you know, to be worthy. Um, You are, go ahead. I'm sorry. I find it really uh, interesting that one of the turning points for you is when you spoke out to your friend and just shared Like you were no longer silent and what was going and spiraling through your Absolutely. mind of all of the situations you'd been through, but you spoke it out loud and she was able to give you feedback of hang yes. on. And then things started to shift for you and you started to realize mm-hmm. things need to change. That suffering and silence, it just keeps you. Absolutely. And that is one of the things I coach on is use your voice <laughs> because there are it's healing and there are plus there are so many others going through the things and they think they're alone and they're not (laughs) there's so much of it going on i just since i've been coaching i'm blown away at the amount of narcissism (laughs) going on wow um i mean i knew there was abuse but wow full-blown just craziness and um you know and i tell them tell your story tell your story because you don't know who that's going to help. You know, there's someone out there waiting to hear that. Just like I needed that somebody to tell me what narcissism was. I, I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't pinpoint it. And then when I really had a, a name for it and I could see all of the, the symptoms of that, then I knew I, it wasn't me, you know, and that was, yeah, that was the start of my healing. That was my turnaround to say, okay. It's not me. <laughs> now, what do I got to do to heal myself? And I knew that I had to turn back to God. I mean, that's just, I knew that from my upbringing. I knew I had strayed from him and I and and I didn't have any other alternative at that point because I was still in it. It's like, who else am I going to go to? <laughs> so, but, you know, that was what I needed. And that's what, you know, healing is a, an ongoing journey. And I mean, I'm, I know my identity. I am sure of that. But, you know, there's times we all 
question things in our lives and and you have to go back. It's a constant thing. You have to constantly pour into yourself and pour into the word and and stay close to him because life is hard. <laughs> and you know, we have to learn all the time. It's it's never ending. It's a never ending thing. So one question I have is <clears throat> you mentioned that when you separated from your second husband and mm-hmm. you finally were able to start your healing journey of saying, who am I? Right. Who were finding that you didn't need to be validated by other people. So Correct. tell me a bit about what it felt like or like what did did you feel like when you were in the relationship that you were looking for validation from him or for others? I think, yes, especially in the beginning you know, um, I guess I always had felt that, you know, that I needed to fill that void from my father. And so I looked for validation from other men. Um, just even if it was just attention, you know, um, just that I was okay, that I was a good person, that I was worth loving. And, um, so yeah, definitely in the beginning, I, I, that is what I was looking for, but then I was trapped. (laughs) Well, and then (laughs) I think too, when somebody is emotionally gaslighting you and they're basically telling you that you are responsible for their emotions. Absolutely. So if you're responsible for him being happy or sad, then Mm -hmm. you're constantly like, am I doing all the things I can do to make sure that he's happy because you're putting all that pressure or he's putting all that pressure right on you. When in reality, he's responsible for his own emotions, you're responsible for yours. But because of this entanglement, it feels like you don't even know how you're feeling because you're just like hyper aware of trying to make sure that he's not going to explode. Yes. And just to even keep peace, too, because he was very uh, volatile. If, you know, if it wasn't going the way he wanted it to. So and I think I had done that all my life from childhood. Um, I've always been the fixer and I've always been the one that tried to please. I was a people pleaser. You know, I wanted to, to help everyone and I still love helping people, but I know that I don't have to do that to validate myself. Well, and, um, and there's day, a difference. You know that it's not your responsibility to <laughs> exactly. change anyone. They have exactly. the power to change themselves. Right. You give them the tools, they have to accept them and use them. And now I know that where back then I didn't, I thought it was my responsibility. Right. So, yeah, that and that's what. How did you how tell me a bit about how you were able to shift and really grow in your internal strength? Like I said, just just pouring into the, the word and reading what God how God sees me, how God sees all of us, you know, that um, and and believing it. (laughs) That's the biggest thing is believing it. You can read it, but you got to believe it. And you've got to feel it. And and it took time. You know, it took, that's why I'm saying it's, it's an ongoing thing. You have to pour every day into it because it takes time, especially when you have all that baggage, you know, from, from the past when you didn't feel worthy and you didn't feel validated. Um, it takes time. But that's, that's what did it. I mean, I, and I'd still do it. <laughs> I still do it, you know, every day. Um, I pour into it to... Just it was reading, it. it was reading the Bible and truly understanding who God and prayer you to be. Yeah. Did you also have to release some of the old beliefs? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and that's how I did it though was with scripture, like things that I would 
believed about myself, I went back to scripture and looked what it said. And then every time those thoughts would came into my head, I captured it just like the Bible tells us to do, <laughs> capture every thought and validate it with scripture. And so that's what I did. And, and it took a long time. But now, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say I've never had a thought that I might have to like go, oh, you know, <laughs> but I, but I go, I know my tools. I know what I have to do. I go to scripture and I find, is that true? That's the first thing I ask. Is that really true? Mm-hmm. Or is that just something that someone said, or I'm putting on myself mm-hmm. and I can turn it around now. How does life shift when you're living out of a Christ identity and you don't have these emotional strings that other people Ugh. can pull on? Complete peace, <laughs> I guess, is the first word. I was peace and freedom. Those are the two words that come to mind um, because literally you're a captive when you you know have all of those other thoughts and you start believing the lies from Satan. You're a prisoner. And so to not have to soak that in, to be able to just flip that off is, is complete freedom and peace. Those are the words that come to me. My question is like, as a mom who has Mm -hmm. trauma, Mm -hmm. how has, how has that impacted you as a mother? Um, And like, what, what areas have you noticed that you've needed to maybe shift due to your trauma or just maybe you're, I don't know, how does, how do you navigate life as a mom while still having trauma? Yeah. Um, it's much easier now. <laughs> when I was with my narcissist husband, I have to say I, my heart became very cold because I had, it was a protection because like he was constantly shooting daggers at me and I couldn't let those words penetrate. I just, I had became cold. So, I mean, I still loved my children. I still hugged them, but like, I found myself if they got hurt or something, instead of, you know, so loving, I'd be like, oh, come on, you're fine. You know? (laughs) So I found myself being a little colder. And when I left him, that all like melted away. I felt like I was safe to do that to them. I, I didn't have to protect myself anymore. And it affected my children. (laughs) Believe me, um, when we, when he left, I was rearranging my son's room. We were remodeling his room. And, um, you know, my husband wasn't really, like I said, I'm not going to say never tried to be physical, but mostly it was screaming and emotional. But when we were remodeling my son's room, I moved his bed and under his mattress was a golf club. And I said, what is this? And he said, in case I ever had to use it on him. For you to protect me. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and that really got me. And I was like, wow. You know, and I and I have to mention another tool that really got me. Um, there was this wa- water experiment um, that the scientists did. And they had taken glasses of water and first they taped words that were positive and negative on the glasses of water. And then they froze it and they looked under a microscope. And every time the negative word was on that glass of water, the the molecular structure was completely fragmented. But the positive words, they look like gorgeous, beautiful snowflakes. Hmm. Then they 
spoke, they thought the words over the water, same thing. They spoke the words over the water, same thing. Then they took the fragmented water and they prayed over it and said positive things and it went back to to beautiful. And I was like, that was my children. That was me too. Mm -hmm. But you know, because our words are so powerful and that's why we have to be careful what our thoughts and our words, all of that. They're so very powerful and they, they can lift and, 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 or destroy. And that experiment really, really hit home to me because I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to do that to my children. I don't want that for my children. And so my healing (laughs) is giving me tools to give them to heal. My, my two older children are adults now and they have children and um, thank God <laughs> they're very great parents and, you know, have happy marriages. And um, I have two still at home, but, you know, at least I have the tools now to help them. <laughs> and so that's been a huge thing. And, and I stop too. Like if I, I don't get angry, I don't yell anymore. Um, I use a second thought rule, <laughs> which is, you know, stop, take a breath, think about what you're going to say before you say it. Don't just react, respond, don't react. So that's, that's another tool that's really helped me in my parenting. How was, how did your mom heal after she left your dad? <laughs> I think she did pretty well. I mean, there, I can look back now and, and know that maybe she didn't heal all the way. She had a lot of anger with him, but then toward the end, she did forgive him. And, and I, I have to say that is so important, not just forgiving the other person, but forgiving yourself, I think is the first step because, you know, even forgiving yourself for not knowing any better, just like I didn't know, (laughs) I, you know, uh, forgive yourself and then you can forgive other people. And and forgiveness is never condoning what they do. And I think that's where a lot of people get hung up on forgiveness. Like, I, how could I forgive that? You know, but it's like, no, you're not condoning what they do. You're forgiving them and you're letting it go. You're letting go of the control that they have over you, not, not their behavior. And that is so freeing. And, you know, I've been able to do that even with my dad, I was able to do that as well um, before he died. And I'm so happy that I did um, because regret is a horrible thing to live with. <laughs> and um, so I w- I'm glad I was at the place where I could do that before he passed away. How did your mom forgiving your dad change her? change her. Uh, my mom was very loving. So I was very blessed. Um, and she had, you know, our church and our church family, she had really good people in her life. Um, I, I want to say her anger was mostly toward him. She did not convey that onto us. So I was very blessed that way because I had her as a role model and even her faith, you know, um, that influenced my faith. Um, because we you know, she went through a lot of, lot of stuff <laughs> and for her to be able to let that go and, and forgive, that was a huge example for me. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that she didn't take that n- want that negative yeah. relationship and allow it to 
um, bleed into everything else, but she no. compartmentalized it a bit. Right. The only thing I, I will say, she, <laughs> you know, she was angry at him. And of course that influenced the way we looked at him, but for the most part, I mean, he kind of uh, molded that relationship with his own behavior. So it's not like she was telling us things that weren't true because of her anger toward him. Mm-hmm. Um, she was she was protective of us, and I understand that. You know, um, she didn't want us to be hurt by him, and so, you know, that's the only thing I guess I could say that maybe she could have done a little bit different, but it wasn't like she was telling us lies, but as a child, it's hard to, you know, there's a fine line on what you put on your children. Yeah. You know? So how do you support women these days? Well, now I do the coaching and then I'm also involved in a community where we provide Christian resources for women. Um, It's personal and professional development and it's basically what I teach, you know, in, in my coaching as well about, you know, starting with your relationship with God and your identity. And then that carries over into everything and how your business and your life should be intertwined. It's not two separate things. God should be the center of all of it. And, um, so those are the two ways that I help women, um, to grow. And I mentor and coach in in that program as well. Awesome. Do you ever, I mean, have you come across somebody who has a trafficking story? Have you encountered? That, I'm sorry. That, that has a trafficking story? Oh, yes. Yeah. We have women in our community, actually. Um, and I have friends that have been trafficked that I've met. I met them actually through a Bible study. Um, and yeah, there's, and that's another thing that, really shocked me as to how many women have been trafficked either by their family or, you know, or someone else that blew me away. You know, you hear about it, but when you are in a community and you have several people just in your circle, that tells you the gravity of it. It's, it's horrific. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah. I heard a quote the other day and I've probably repeated it 12 times already, but I think it's that important. It says our country is only recognizing 1% of trafficking. Yeah. Yeah. We just don't see that. I believe that. And that's kind of like the abuse, the sexual abuse. You know, people are speaking out now a lot more, but, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many women that have been sexually abused in their own family or by a family member or a friend that kept silent too. It's, it's just, you know, the last few years, I feel that women have really been using their voice to, to get these things out. And I'm so glad because first of all, it's healing for them. <laughs> and second of all, it's, you know, it's like your story can be someone else's blueprint, you know, or it can stop them from having to to deal with it. If we talk about it, then maybe they'll not have that happen to them. Like I've done things on narcissism, you know, and women are that are in that situation. They're like, oh my God, they're just like I was. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, that's my husband. Oh my gosh, this is my life. It's like, right. But if we keep talking about this and we teach our children this kind of thing, then maybe they'll recognize it and they won't have to go through it anymore. Absolutely. And that it's okay to talk, you know, to tell somebody. It's it's very so important. And I'm so glad that um we're getting more vocal. <laughs> Women are getting their voices back. 
and they're and they're talking about all of this and it needs to be i agree do you have any resources or books that you've read that um, somebody who's on their own healing journey would you could refer to <laughs> there's a lot of them but i honestly i want to say the bible is number 1 because there's nothing that is more true <laughs> than scripture and and it's all in there and that's one thing i've learned since I have really dove in and I I was in a Bible study where we went through the whole Bible um, from cover to cover for three years now. And every single time something new is revealed to me that I'm like, I've heard that a million times before, but oh my gosh, how did I miss that? You know? And so it's all in there. And, you know, I know there's controversy about, you know, well, the translations have changed things and some things weren't included. And I am not denying that. But all I can say is it is the living word and God speaks to us through the living word and he will give you whatever you need from, from that scripture. Yeah. And, and we, we've ran into several survivors who, uh, um, and I'm one of them, honestly, that the Bible was twisted and used inappropriately. Exactly. And so hearing, my sometimes, <laughs> yeah, sometimes hearing that, you know, the, the Bible is the truth. It's, it's, you know, it's a hundred percent true. Yeah, it's hard at first because you yes. hear it coming from the words of your abuser. And yes. so if there's anybody listening that is in that spot where there's some scripture that uh, you feel like is not showing a loving father or a protective father. Yes. Dig deeper because exactly. it has been exposed to you in the wrong way, because I promise you, our father is protective and loving and just it's there. But sometimes we just get taught a different way. Absolutely. And those are hard things to break off. Um, my father was like that. My father would, even after my parents were divorced, he would go on the street corner and pass out Bible tracts. Or when he was beating my brother or sister, it was like, spare the rod and spoil the child. You know, he used scripture. And and that was a huge turnoff for me. And, and that kept me out of the Bible for a long time. But after, you know, I started my, I knew um, from from what I did learn from the positive side that I had to go back to God. I had to. And once I once I dug in, like you said, then I started understanding those scriptures because a lot of times people take them out of context yes. and they're saying them and, and you're not getting the whole picture. But when you do, it, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, all right. Well, if you guys want to check out Lori and her coaching programs, check out Lori Jorgensen. The website will be in the show notes. She also has a free community with Girl Power Alliance that will create that um, has a ton of resources and yes. tools Fair. and things that you can use. Mm-hmm. So definitely connect with her to get connected to the free group. And if you have any links, Lori, that you want us to include in the show notes, then we'll definitely do that as well. Okay. Um, thank you. Rachel, do you have any last questions for, for us? No, I mean, I just appreciate you sharing. Um, I love how God can take a a tough situation and turn it into something so beautiful to where you're helping others and the ripple effect of what you're doing. I'm sure you'll only know once you get to heaven and you see all of these people. And so thank you for what you do and for pouring back into women. It is so, so needed. And thank you guys. You you are doing the same thing. And like you said, sometimes we don't think people are listening. And 
we really don't know the ripple effect, but I guarantee you people are watching and people are being affected. So don't stop talking. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys, thank you so much, Lori, for sharing your story and your experience um, with us. You guys definitely check out her website, lauriejorgensen.com. And I'll post any links in the show notes below. Until then, we'll see you guys next week. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this powerful episode of Stop Suffering in Silence. If you are interested in booking Rachel to speak at your school, your church, or on your podcast, then please email openblindeyes at protonmail.com. If you are interested in sponsoring a survivor on their healing journey and would like to donate to Stop Sis, then please check out the link in the description box or show notes below, or you can email stopsis at protonmail.com. And finally, if you are currently suffering in silence or you know somebody who is, whether they're dealing with a current trauma or one from the past, then we will always recommend that you reach out to your local resources and find a counselor that you can trust because nobody is meant to suffer alone. Have an amazing week and thank you for being here.